Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to episode 228 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. After retiring from medical practice, I've become an activist for family caregiving. Our topic today is radio broadcasting as a professional career for people with blindness. More and more people with disabilities generally are using technology to enable themselves. With the help from technology, the time is arriving for an organized approach to enable more and more people with disabilities to realize their abilities by getting good jobs in the world of technology. Our topic today is the story of someone who lives with blindness and who realized his abilities by becoming the president and owner of a successful radio station that uses technology to broadcast on the internet, which is why our topic, radio broadcasting as a professional career for people with blindness, is so timely. Now, to discuss it, our guest is Peter Whitaker. Peter is the president and owner of the radio station The Hayes FM. He arrived in Canada with his family on a boat from Scotland in 1963. And even though he was only six years old at the time, it took him just a few weeks to figure out what a nickel, dime and a quarter was, which, as he says, got him on his way. While not a great student in school, he says, he was always focused on being an entrepreneur. So while holding down jobs... This is what he says. He never stopped dreaming about what he could do out in the world with some of his ideas. He says that successes and failures follow most people who want to work for themselves, adding that, honestly, that he had both successes and failures. He believes that the measure of success is not only how we've done financially, but in what we've achieved. He has two great kids and a grandson, and he adds that three players he's coached over the years are in the National Hockey League. And he comments that, I've been the first to do several things in my life, and my business today keeps me very busy. Welcome to the show, Peter. Thank you very much, Gordon. That's quite quite an introduction. Well, let's let's explore, explore further. I'd like you to tell us more, please, about your story of your life and your life with blindness. Peter? Well, well my life, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 56 today. So, I mean, I, I guess I'm getting up there. 
Um, sure doesn't uh, feel like 56. I still feel like I'm in my 20s or 30s, but uh, a lot's happened since uh, since those days. Um, I guess leading up to my uh, to my uh, health issues about 10 years ago, where I, I developed diabetes, and I, the problem is I went undiagnosed for about six years. I ignored the uh, the, the symptoms and just went about my business because I was so busy and you know, just didn't pay attention and. And boy, I, I paid for it. Uh, they assessed me with diabetes. My my eyesight went relatively quickly uh, from from fairly good eyesight my whole life to to diminished eyesight, and it uh, it kept getting worse. Uh, we went uh, into a situation where they gave me medication, and my eyesight even went worse after that. They told me it would get better. It never did. Um, so I subsequently went through a series of, of different events. Uh, actually, had a heart attack, and while I was uh, in the hospital with the heart attack, uh, my right eye filled with blood from hemorrhaging and, and uh, bleeding. And uh, subsequently, I, I lost my my right eye at the time. My left eye uh, was also starting to fade, and it was bleeding all the time. And and they took me down to a Toronto hospital and did some emergency surgery, and they managed to save it. But subsequently, you know, it was diminished to about a third of a regular eye. So they declared me legally blind. And uh, I was still actually active in the pool and hot tub business. Uh, my wife and I own one of those businesses here as well. I was active in that business at the time. And uh, subsequently, I didn't feel very comfortable going into backyards and working on job sites like I'd done my whole life. You know, that was my original background, as well as a lot of different promotions. But uh, I, I had to eventually say to myself, that's enough. You've got to get out of the... You can't walk in the backyard. You can't see what you're doing. That's enough. So, And that brings us to today, Gordon. Right. So, next question is, tell us about your radio station, the Hayes FM. Peter? Well, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, Carry it. it was- it, yeah, it was um, it was kind of a neat situation. We have the pool and hot tub business, and you know, I came off the the road from working in backyards and worked in our retail store because it was a lot easier for me to do that. But I was, you know, was getting restless, and I, you know, it really wasn't for me. And we had looked into uh, some in-store radio, and I had done some research on it. So I'm surfing the net and I'm trying to find things. I, I found a situation where you. You buy an internet radio feed and, and you put your own music up and it plays and but it's actually through the internet, not just on a computer in our own store. Well now I live in a city called Mississauga, Ontario, just outside Toronto, west of Toronto, of seven hundred and forty thousand people. The sixth largest city in Canada had no radio stations to speak of. And subsequently we did some research and felt that Instead of just doing internet radio for ourselves, why don't we do it for Mississauga? And that was where the whole idea came from. That it came from that. And it's funny we're at the cottage uh, summer of 2009, and we're sitting in front of the water talking to each other. My wife and I talking to each other about the about the idea of the radio station, and um, we we had to come up with a name if we're going to have a station that has to have a name. So. We thought about, you know, what would work in, you know, in Mississauga. You think of big companies. Uh, Ford of Canada is in Oakville, Ontario, and you know where Oakville is. And it's got um, 
Prescott Ford, so you could have named it a Windstar station or something like that. Mississauga didn't have anything like that, although it has one thing. It has the mayor, who has been the mayor for 35 years. Her name is Hazel McCallion. So my wife and I looked at each other and says, the Hayes, let's call it the Hayes. That's where the name came from. So it was, it was kind of neat to, to name something after a mayor that's been here for so long. And she was very pleased to find out that that's how we named it, because I, I met her shortly after and told her. And uh, we've grown the business. Uh, it's been a really neat experience. Um, it, it's, it wasn't easy. It's still not easy. <laughs> but we managed to grow it to a point where it's, we're not quite comfortable, but we're getting there after, after we're almost four years old. Now, Peter, that goes to another question I want to ask you. Um, you said it's not easy work. I'd like you to tell us about the work you do as the president and the owner of the Hayes FM. Well, the first thing we wanted to do, the first thing we had to do was come up with our sound. You know, what are we going to sound like? And, and that was a, a real series of trials and tribulations. Um, we turned it on. Um, we started playing music, and we started doing IDs and things like that to, just to make it sound like, you know, it was something. But the, the, the whole thing was I wanted to focus on being a community station. And by that, I mean I wanted to play music, but I wanted my, my people talking, my DJs, to talk about what's happening in the city, what's happening today, tomorrow, this weekend, as opposed to talking about Britney Spears and Tiger Woods. No, no, nothing wrong with those two people, by the way. Just as opposed to that, and and so we started on that. That was our format, and we stuck to that like glue. And I'm praised for it daily. People are amazed at the kind of content that we come up with, the kind of content we do, deliver to the public, and subsequently, one of the things that we did, and we'll talk about this a little later, is to build an audience. I mean, it's hard to. I thought right away that you know, hey. 10,000 people a day are going to click on the hazefm.ca and can hear the station, you know, type of thing. Well, I did achieve thousands a day, but it got tougher. And I really didn't have the marketing money. Like, if I had had half a million dollars of marketing money, I'm sure I'd have done a lot better. But I didn't have that. I was too focused on development. But the, um, the idea of building an audience came to me after the first year. We thought to ourselves, well, why don't we get people to play the station in their place of business? And we actually started that campaign. I thought to myself, what's the biggest place in Mississauga that can play a radio station? Turns out it's the transit terminal at our big shopping center in Mississauga called Square One. 40,000 people a day go through that transit terminal, and it was playing a Toronto radio station when I walked in to listen to what was up there. Well, after about six months, I was able to convince the city of Mississauga and my local counselor that we should be in there. Now, we'd been already been here a year and a half. I don't think I could have done the same thing if I'd walked in off the street and said, I'm starting up a radio station, I want to play in a transit terminal. But the fact that we're here already a year and a half got me that contract. So that was our first big break in Mississauga. I suppose what it comes down to, is that you've got to show people that you're real and that what you're actually doing is successful. That's right, is it? That's, that's 100% right. And, yeah. and that was why we probably spent a good two years on our sound. I mean, we changed software, we changed 
content. I mean, we just constantly rotated things until we actually found a sound that we really liked. And our, our goal the whole time was I wanted to sound as good as any other radio station. And I say that by I don't want to be better than anybody else. I just want to sound as good as any other radio station in our market. And right. I think I've achieved that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, it's time for us to take the break, so we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Natalie, and my guest is Peter Whitaker. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River. Please stay with us. We'll be coming back. Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. The hottest legal issues of today, live, unscripted, uncensored. Legal Sense with James Andrews brings in the experts to address important legal topics that affect society, you, and your family. Divorce, bankruptcy, student loans, or your constitutional rights. Some people don't know the difference between a plaintiff and defendant, petitioner, or respondent. Let attorney James Andrews make legal sense of the law for you. Listen live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stop worrying about your legal woes. Listen and learn. Legal Sense. We're here to serve. Very rarely does our news media spotlight some of the good things that are happening in our world. For more of these good stories and the people that are creating them, tune in to Bread for the Journey with Mariana Cacciatore. Whether these good acts stem from personal tragedy or just a desire to help out and make this a better world in which to live, you'll find inspiration in every week's program. Connect with those that are doing something great for a change. Listen for Bread for the Journey, Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Peter Whitaker. Our topic is radio broadcasting as a professional career for people with blindness. So let's, Peter, talk more about your broadcast broadcasting station, the Hayes FM. Now, please tell us more about the broadcasting that you actually do and who your audiences actually are. Well, um, we broadcast uh, easy listening adult contemporary music and information about our community. And uh, our listeners uh, tend to be uh, people uh, at work uh, that can play us on their computers we have all the mobile apps uh, on our website, so if you have a smartphone of any nature, you can actually hear us. Um, we're in cars through Bluetooth and, uh, and other, other ways to connect your phones to your car stereo. 
uh, really excited about the fact that, and, and you guys in the states, uh, you know, you've already you're already there. Uh, there's now cars with internet radio in it all through the states. It'll be in Canada, I, I think, within about a year. So I'm really excited about that prospect. So, really, the listener of, of easy listening music is is 25 to 55 and, and, and up. That's the kind of audience that uh, we, we garner. But um, yeah, that, that's about it. Right. What about the people who are doing the talking? You mentioned that you wanted your uh, DJs or people like that to to also talk about um, what's going on locally. What are the are, are, are those topics attracting the same audiences as your easy listening music? Well, that that is that's the way that operates. You, know, you play the music. And after a song or two, you play an ID between each song. And after two or three songs, the the person speaking. Like we used to run four shows a day from from seven in the morning till ten at night, uh, one three hour shift and three four hour shifts, where we had the same person on for those hours. Now we weren't live, and I can say that now because this was a good way of doing things. We developed a, a pretty neat uh, way of doing things at the time called voice tracking. And everybody that's in the radio business has heard of that. But we did it for each day. So if you listen to their show in the morning from 7 to 10, that was voice tracked that morning by the fellow that I ran, that I used to do that. He worked at another radio station. He went in at 2 o'clock in the morning and recorded all his voice track bits. We have a producer here that takes uh, those emails and converts them into their MP3s, converts them into the playlist, and adds the commercials, the IDs, and music. And that's how we built our whole deal. We do that every day. A producer would get in here at 6.30 in the morning and build, well, myself too, we both get in here and do that, um, and, and build the day, the full day. And, and we actually have the four shows done by about noon, because right. everybody would send in their files. So it was a pretty neat process, and that would make us sound awesome. And the, the system that we have, we have a computer system that basically, it's like an autopilot for a plane. You know, you, yeah. you tell it what to do. You can tell it specifically, do this, this, and this, and it does it for you. It's pretty impressive. Right. Now, let's talk about the work, the types of work that are required to keep the Hayes FM actually on the air and its audience growing. In other words, it's what I would call the background work that's required to keep this station on the air and growing. Please tell us about that type of work. Well, Gordon, I mean, we've got, uh, we've got uh, two full-time producers. Um, I, I basically oversee the operation. Our head producer, Vern Bainey, does a tremendous job running uh, the on-air stuff. Um, just an amazing, amazing guy. He's been able to meet since day one. We, we do that. Um, we work fairly steady all day long. We produce, in the meantime, we produce about nine talk shows a week and 11 music shows a week. And all those are scheduled and recorded throughout the day, regular business hours. So people come in, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12, 1, 2, and have book studio time, and, and we actually record their stuff. That stuff is also edited. So we have to take, so say, a talk show, Similar to yours, you know, producer records it, um, but you know, there's a bit of editing to those shows, and, and that has to get done. So that's uh, a fair amount of time. 
Um, and you mentioned, the other thing you mentioned was trying to build an audience. Since I told you about the uh, transit terminal, we've since gone into some of the recreation centers in our city, and also we've gone out and we've purchased on, uh, uh, Internet radios and supplied them to dozens and dozens of businesses in the town. And some of them have, you know, we've got local uh, donut shops. They get 3,000 people a day. So when I added up all of the people that potentially could be hearing us, we're up around 1.5 million people a month. And I think I've done a pretty good job growing our audience. Right. Very impressive. Now, I want to ask you a more personal question, and this is to do with you and the challenges of your vision. How do you personally use technology as a workaround for the parts of the work that involve reading or other things that are challenging to your, to your eyesight, to your vision? Peter? Yeah, well, our, our local, um, when I was diagnosed legally blind, the local chapter of the CNIB, Canadian National Institute for the Blind, and I'm sure there's a comparable organization in the States, um, you know, they were told and, and they contacted me. And the first thing they did was take me in for an assessment. And uh, they were willing to supply me with a couple of devices. And in my case, it was a computer and a reader. And on the computer was a program called Zoom Text. I'm sure some people may have heard of that. Could you, just repeat, could you just repeat that yeah. name? Yeah, it's called Zoom Text. Text. Z-O-O-M-T-E-C-H. And it's a great program. It'll, it'll uh, magnify. Now, it'll magnify the program. Now, since that back in the day, and that was 10 years ago, um, Windows 7 and 8 have built-in magnifiers, and it's really similar to Zintax, and it was seamless for me to use it. I, I, I'm embarrassed to tell you that my, my computer screen that I'm sitting in front of right now is a 32-inch flat-screen flat screen TV, which really allows me to see a lot more. And by the way, before I lost my sight, I was a bit of a graphic artist, and uh, I could do things like logos and all kinds of different things when it comes to graphics. When I lost my sight, I was kind of kind of put that on the back burner and thought I'd never do it again. But this Zoom text and, and magnifier have allowed me to get back into my Photoshop program and allowed me to create. So I do tons of stuff uh, with, through that. So let's just talk about now other people living with um, vision difficulties with blindness. Um, the kind of technology that you use... Um, am I right in saying that enables other people with vision challenges to do productive work using technology, work that can help them, lead them to earn their livings? Is that right? Absolutely. I mean, I've looked into the technology that's available today, you know, voice activation. Um, you know, there's no reason that, uh, that most people could not operate a computer system uh, depending on their degree of blindness. But, I mean, I still think a totally blind person could do uh, a lot of what I've done so far. That's important because that gives a message that technology um, is a helper and technology is an enabler and technology is a way forward um, to earning a living. And I'm going to ask you... um, 
a question that's becoming more and more important, and I hear very often in, re- in kind of dis- discussions we have on this show, what people with special needs, the, the community people with disabilities want, is to be able to get around the barriers that prevent them getting to work or being able to interact with the work that they can do. And it seems to me that the information technology techniques that you've just been describing, a whole lot more, mean they they can do work at home or in a comfortable place or where they live without having to struggle with uh, transportation and things of that nature. Peter, how much of that goes on? That is to say the enabling of people to work to overcome, to work around the obstacles for them to get to work in the sense I mean it. Peter? Yeah, I don't think there's any limits, uh, Gordon. I think that, uh, that the potential for people to learn this technology, and I don't consider myself the smartest person in the world, and I've, I've learned, I'm self-taught in almost everything I've ever done, I think a little perseverance and anybody could do what I'm doing right now. I, I don't. I, I, I have no hesitation in saying that. Um, anybody can learn the technology, but it's being made aware of the technology. I mean, I think there should be some more educating, specifically at, at various levels, to tell people, hey, this is available, this is available. And the radio business is not unique to that. I mean, any business could, could do that. Yeah. Where do people... Um, go to get this kind of information that you've just been talking about. Where's it? Where's it available? What? What types? In, in, of... in Canada, the Canadian National Institute for the Blind has regional offices all across the country. I'm in Mississauga. There's an office here. There's another office in Hamilton, which is uh, to our west, and of course Toronto to our east. There's the main uh, headquarters of, of CNIB, which, and by the way, I have to go down next week for they've got a new device they want me to try. Uh, they're going to take me in and, and uh, show me this device. Uh, they seem excited about it, and uh, I have no idea what it is, but uh, I'm going down next Wednesday to have a look at it. But, yeah, that that organization, and even some of the local organizations in towns and cities and villages um, can be tapped, for sure. Does that mean, then, that... Um this is a loaded question, Peter, that's coming up, that people listening to the Hayes FM um, will pick up information about where to get information relating to the use of technology to overcome vision channels challenges. Is, is that what you do? We've done those. We call those public service announcements. We've done those. And, and I put that out a few times. I can tell you right now it might not be running today. But we have done those in the past. Uh, you know, we, we do public service announcements for every um, organization, uh, Alzheimer's, uh, blood clinics, uh, blood donor clinics, uh, Heart and Stroke Foundation. We do public service announcements, including the blind. Uh, we actually run, we still run uh, two CNIB commercials uh, specifically about getting devices like banknote readers uh, and things like that. Um, that are available on the market. We still run those those commercials we run today, but we do an extensive program when it comes to that. 
Right. Okay. Now, it's time for us to take the break, so we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Peter Whitaker. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. The incidence of autism has increased at an alarming rate. Approximately 1 in 150 children are affected by autism, giving autism the undesired ranking as the most prevalent childhood developmental disorder in the U.S. 67 children will be diagnosed today. That is nearly one child every 20 minutes. Autism One, a conversation of hope, brought to you by Enzymedica, hosted by Terry Aranga, illuminates how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Autism is treatable and given appropriate therapies, children are recovering. With well-known researchers and doctors, members of Congress, and expert service providers from a wide range of disciplines, Terry offers interviews and insights highlighting the progress in areas related to autism spectrum disorders such as biomedical research and treatment, communication, education, and behavioral modalities, sociological and philosophical issues, and legislative advocacy and insurance concerns. Autism One, a conversation of hope, broadcast each Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Autism One, a conversation of hope. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Michelle Kors, Six Degrees is your connected consciousness. Six Degrees is what comes around, goes around radio. Committed to delivering a fresh perspective on thought-provoking, investigative information that can change your life. Six Degrees connects you to the social and emotional scene and is your trusted advisor from finance to romance, mainstream to metaphysical. It's a positive, upbeat look at life, love, and the pursuit of passion. Get connected Saturdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to Patricia Raskin Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call in to Patricia Raskin Positive Living Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. It's practical, positive solutions for a happy, empowered, and successful life the internet's number one talk station number one talk station voiceamerica.com you are listening to family caregivers unite with dr gordon atherley if you have any questions or comments about our program please address them by email to doc g at FamilyCaregiversUnite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Peter Whitaker. Our topic is radio broadcasting as a professional career for people with blindness. So let's talk about work in broadcasting and opportunities for people living with blindness. Now, first of all, Peter, what can you tell us about work done by people in broadcasting or in, in other ways, other than you who live with blindness? Well, I, you know, I've, I've met a few people. I wouldn't say a whole lot. Um, you know, I, I travel on public transit every day from my home to the office. 
and you know inevitably somebody's on on the bus that's uh, either totally blind or legally blind and I'll converse with them and I'll ask them questions and things like that when they find out what I'm doing what I'm doing they're just amazed and uh, and I have had that question you know how can I get into that what can I do and I and I and I, I tell them I mean I, I I say just you know study the technology learn a little bit about it um we would we use lots of voices for our commercials and things like that, and, and 90% of them are all volunteer. People, we have interns and, and uh, co-op students from local high schools and things like that. But, I mean, if I had a call from somebody who, who was legally blind or blind and said they wanted to do this, I would more than welcome them in the door and uh, make sure they got here at home uh, at both both times um, to have that help because it's a it's a great outlet for everybody. Yeah. Now, I'm going to ask you another leading question that flows from the answer you've just given me, which is, what do you see as the career opportunities in broadcasting for people living with blindness? What are the opportunities? Well, the opportunities, actually, editing uh, can be done by, by anybody. Uh, you know, if you can hear, you can edit. And uh, you don't have to see the screen to edit. I, I really believe that that's something that, because uh, the first thing I have my, my editors do that have sight is listen to every word that's spoken, because you will not know how to edit unless you do that. So I, I sometimes think, I, I know you might have heard this before, but when we lose one sense, some of our other senses really pick up, and I'm noted for having tremendous hearing. Uh, my wife. Uh, it, she says it's selected hearing, but uh, when she calls, they don't hear. But um, I'm noted for having selective hearing, but I'm noted for having very good hearing. So I think anybody in that situation probably has a higher level of hearing, and I think they'd be even better at that job than, than a sighted person. Attention right. to detail, you know, type of thing. Right. Now, let's get a bit more specific. You've mentioned editing. I want you to say a little bit more about what the editing leads to. Is it written documentation? Is it editing the audio? Um, I'm not clear what, yeah, what that edit, involves. It's, Gordon, it's editing the audio, and and basically, you know, you'll you'll um, you'll edit shows and and cut pieces and and place pieces uh, in different areas of the of the timeline. And once you're done, you've got a finished product. That's but editing is also music. We we do uh, eleven music shows a week, and there's an awful lot of editing in music shows too. So even though it's it's not so much the music, it's the audio part of those shows. The music's pretty straightforward. Um, you know, you still get to you still get to pick and choose what words are said and what words you cut and things like that. So that's how in depth it can be. Right. Now let's get down to some more details of career opportunities because you've described what editing is. Um, in a broadcasting station like yours, regardless of whether it's on the internet or whether it's AM, FM, um, what are the kind of jobs? If somebody came along to you, Peter, and said, I want you to make clear in your advertisements when you're looking for stuff, um, the jobs that are particularly available or very good for people of any age living with blindness, what would those jobs be? There is, there is not a job in this building, in my building, that couldn't be done by either a blind person or a sighted person. Everything from reception 
the editing, the on-air, and those are the three main uh, main uh, focuses we have here. There isn't one single thing that a blind person could not do in our operation. So that leads me to believe that in the future, that blind people could be more involved. And of course, of course, getting here and uh, here and home are obviously the biggest obstacles. But when they get here, there's no reason they couldn't do any of the jobs. Right. Now, let's pursue things a little bit further and say, do they, those kind of people you would be recruiting, do they need training? Um, well, yes, they need training in using the technology, but do they need training specifically for the broadcasting business? And if they do, where would they get that training? The local community colleges, all of the local community colleges in this area, and there are several of them, all run media courses. Um, and they teach people all aspects of, of uh, digital and analog, regular everyday TV and radio. So that's out there for sure. Um, we're pretty proud of one thing around here. A fair majority of our talent has been homegrown. See, we're not terrestrial radio we're online radio. And subsequently, we don't have a lot of the high pollutant rules that the rural radio have. So we can bring somebody in and, and not be afraid to put them on the air because we know initially they're not going to sound that good. But when, whenever, and let's talk about specifically uh, talk shows. You know, people come to me all day long wanting to do talk shows, and I pick and choose know who could try it i get to do that wield my power when, they, when i decide on that they're going to do a talk show the first thing we bring them in and, and sit them down and we brief them on a time clock of an hour and we tell them you know you've got to teach yourself to do this this and this i mean you you know this we teach them all that and it doesn't matter whether they're sighted or, or unsighted we can teach that to anybody so somebody off the street who wanted to do a radio show on our state, on our talk station, um, could walk in the door. If they could sell themselves right there and then and there, they can get the opportunity to do this, and we will teach them A to, a to Z, A to Z for your American people. <laughs> right. Right. Now, this is getting a little more personal, too. Um, what about um, working on building the training using the Hayes FM and maybe even Family Caregivers Unite so that training is offered perhaps in collaboration with the um, training colleges, with the colleges around, in broadcasting for people living with blindness so that they make the best of the particular abilities that they have, editing, um, voice, uh, listening, um, being able to talk, um, being able to get ideas, being able to generate um, emotions of a good kind in people, all those kinds of things. What about the idea of those of us who are in this internet radio business getting together and starting organizing some kind of training for people living with blindness? What do you think about that? Well, I'm going to answer that two ways. I love the idea. I think that's a great idea. I think, uh, I think we, could, we could contribute a lot more uh, to the to the communities that we're in by offering those services for sure. The second part that you mentioned there about 
uh, internet radio. I'd love to see internet radio getting better organized um, as as a group. We could have talks. We could have meetings uh, to discuss moving, you know, really a little bit further into the realm of of uh, digital online radio. I I think we're still in the infancy stage, and until some of the people that are doing it uh, fairly well can get together and, and bring on some younger people, not younger people, people with less experience, into the fold, this is all going to be good for the industry down the road. But getting back to your, your first point, I think uh, if we could uh, offer that kind of training to the local areas, that might work well, too. Here's a point that's political a little bit in Canada. I'm not exactly sure about the situation in the U.S., but... Um, AM and FM radio that we all listen to so much um, is pretty heavily regulated um, in both countries. It's subject to all kinds of rules. Internet radio uh, is much freer, um, that is to say, until governments, and I I hope they never will, just to be political, um, start to regulate the Internet, then Internet radio of the kind that you and I are both doing is pretty well free um, of unnecessary regulation. That doesn't mean to say that um, people will tolerate us doing unpleasant things or me producing unacceptable uh, radio. But what it does say is that you've you've had some ideas, you've done some things, and you were able to do them on the Internet the way you thought they should be done so you could be creative. Now, is that the future that you see driving internet radio? Definitely. And and while we've done some pretty unique things, the one thing that I knew from day one, and this is going back to, to the start of the HazeFM.ca, is we could not operate any different than a regular radio station or we wouldn't last a week. And you have to be thinking, you have to, and, and you're doing the same thing. You're operating within certain guidelines that you feel are ethical and, and above board. We did the same thing from day one. We've never had any instances of, of language problems or music problems because we felt that if we didn't operate that way, people wouldn't respect us. So inevitably, that's the way we did. I mean, we're not Howard Stern around here. Howard Stern can be... You know, he's on satellite and he can get away with a lot of different things. And, and I wouldn't even try, even if it was even if it was a different format. I don't think I'd try anything like that because you want to be commercially successful, too. I mean, that's the thing, too. I mean, you know, I'm sure you guys play commercials. We play commercials. I can't have an advertiser saying, here, here's some content that he wasn't happy with. That would, that would kill us quickly. So yeah. we don't do that, that's for sure. So in other words... They have to pay the rent, don't they, these, these uh, internet radio stations? They have to support themselves as businesses um, so that they generate revenues, which they can use then to do their broadcasting. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, okay. Now, um, it's time to take the break once more. This is where the commercials come in, as you were talking about. This is Dr. Gordon Hatherley. My guest is Peter Whitaker. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Power River. Please stay with us. We will be back.
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. You'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Peter Whitaker. Our topic is radio broadcasting as a professional career for people with blindness. Um, Peter, I want us to talk about, or you to talk about, more things that you want to do and things that you want to see done to help people living with blindness get good jobs in technology-related fields like internet radio. So my first question is, what more do you want to do to increase people for living with blindness to get good jobs of the kind we're talking about? What do you want to do? Peter? Well, I, I've not yet accomplished some of my goals, and and I think that uh, you know, with my with my being with me being legally blind, I think if I could achieve a few more of my goals over the next uh, six to eight months to a year, that would publicize. And and I, you know, we get interviewed on radio, and we get interviewed in magazines and newspapers and other publications, and, and that's really valuable to us and the cause. So I think if I can achieve a few more things for the Hayes FM over the next, you know, six months to a year, I think that might raise the profile of, hey, that guy did it. Look at that guy. And, and uh, you know, that would 
please me. I think that would I'd be happy with uh, with that happening. So that would be the area. I, you know, achieving something here would raise the the level of of acceptance uh, for people that are that are that have problems seeing. Right. Peter, just again to be a bit personal, that's a story. That's a powerful story. And some of radio, maybe a lot of it, is actually about stories, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, when I tell the story about, you know, how I started the station, I mean, I, I, I can't tell enough. People keep asking, and I have to tell the story over and over and over again. For I've been doing it for four years now, so. Yeah. Yeah, stories. Now, same question, but different target. What more do you want to see business and the broadcasting business generally do to increase help for people with living with blindness get the jobs of the kind we're talking about, especially in internet radio, but generally? Peter? Well, again, it has to go back to the community colleges. And, you know, there's, there's night school and things like that. There could be um, a lot more teaching of of this trade to people with blindness. There's no doubt in my mind. And and uh, I know that there's different organizations, not just the CNIB in our area, that could easily step into the role of, of training and instructing people on the technology and uh, and what they can do with, with, the, with that world today. I mean, it is a different world than we lived in, you know, as little as 10 years ago. I mean, I'm 56. I remember the first car phone. I remember it was a big brick with a with a phone on top of it. Um, you know, we didn't text. Facebook's not that old. Twitter's not that old. Uh, look how fast the technology is coming up. Uh, and it, it, it won't slow down. It's going to keep going. So if you're, you're luckier today than you were, if you're legally blind or blind, you're luckier today than you certainly were 10 years ago and, of course, 15 or 20 years ago. You know, you were... You couldn't do a lot, but you can do a lot more today. But you, you're the one who's got to do it. I mean, it all has to come from you. If you're legally blind or you're, you're totally blind, the only way it's going to happen is if you get up and you do it. And like I said, the technology is there today to really assist you in, in making a, a statement and, uh, and putting yourself out there. What's, I'm just going to feed back to you. Uh, in strongly supporting what you just said is this, that, you know, when I practiced medicine a long time ago, helping people with these kinds of challenges was really more a kind of medical activity where you tried to give them care that would stop things getting worse and you try and give them um, advice and you maybe get as far as giving them advice about having a um, uh, um, seeing eye dog or something of that nature. But I don't recall any of me or any of my profession ever saying, go look for a job, use some technology, you've got a career ahead of you. And that seems to be the message in what you've just said. There's a door opened, technology gets you through that door, and that's a career. Now, do you really asking whether I'm going too far in what I'm saying. And if I am, then correct me. But that's what I got from what you were just saying. Gordon, the, the door is wide open. I mean, we're, you know, over the years, I don't think it was. And 
I mean, I'm, I'm really fortunate that I saw for, you know, 40, 44, 45 years, I could see perfectly. And I'm really lucky that I did have that. I know a lot of people aren't that lucky. Um, and, and I, you know, my memories are, I probably have a pretty good memory too. So that helped. Um, but, you know, I, to be, to be in this business, you know, you just have to have it in your heart that you want to accomplish something. That's all it's going to take. And anybody can do that. And it doesn't really matter what your situation is. Anybody can do it. And you, you hit the nail right on the head. This is something that, that we didn't have 15, 20, 25 years ago. Uh, and I won't keep you long because I know there's probably going to run out of time here. But, you know, I don't know if you remember that, that TV show, Little House on the Prairie. Yeah, uh, the eldest daughter went blind, and there was a lot of episodes about blind people, and and that show really, uh, really showed people helping blind people and, and blind people helping themselves. You know, fast forward 150 years, and my goodness, uh, you know, just the world is a different place, yeah. and uh, you know, we can all do better. Yeah, and then we get to the point where the technology starts to be designed by the people with the challenges, the vision challenges and other challenges. They know what they need. They know how the technology needs to be improved so they can do better. So then they become um, workers with the technology, enabled by the technology, but also helpers in designing the technology to get them through the door faster, more effectively. Is that right? Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, I've already heard instances of, of blind people developing software and, and the likes of that that, uh, that you know, that are useful by not only those people but everybody else. So, right. I mean, it, it's already happened. Right. Now, last question. What is your message to children, teenagers, and adults living with blindness? Peter? That's a tough one. I don't, uh, you, know, it, you know what? I don't consider myself blind. I mean, it's funny. You know, I I remember what the street looks like. I remember all of that. I don't really consider myself disabled in any way. But ultimately, you have to accept the the, the responsibility and, and the knowledge that you are. Um, I think young people, teenagers, and, and, and young adults, and even as we get older, we just have to realize what potential is out there today that wasn't out there 10 years ago. And the technology part of it can play a big role in, in making our lives, uh, uh, you know, uh, enjoyable and uh, worthwhile and, uh, and teach us a ton. So you never stop learning. At 56, I haven't even scratched the surface on what I have to learn. <laughs> so that's my advice. A great message. Peter, thank you for that message. Thank you for all your comments and sharing with us all those aspects of your in- experience, your insights and your advice and your sense of that open door. So, on behalf of us all, everyone, all success to you in your work. I want to say thank you to our listeners. We'd like to hear your comments on this episode and from our listeners, I'd like to hear about ideas for topics or if you're interested in being a guest on the show. In our next episode, we'll talk about family caregivers' business goes to the dogs with healthcare bureaucracy. Please join us, same time, same spot on the internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. 
Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being around.